Hello, welcome to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the Mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendyka, riding solo again today. Mike is out. He is traveling for the week, so you guys just get me this week. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we're here um, and happy to be here. we got a lot of stuff to go over today. Obviously, we're going to be talking a little bit of the NBA Finals, and we're going to be taking a little bit of a different take on it. Um, you know, Obviously, we're going to do a little bit of predictions, but I also want to talk about the smaller market um issue in the nba and how maybe this is going to help with this current finals matchup um we're going to be talking those ww releases we're going to wait to do the quarterback rankings until mike gets back um i think that's more of a two-person thing and as everybody knows mike is our resident quarterback expert so um i definitely think we should wait for him on that we're also going to be doing uh some tigers check-in we're going to be maybe checking in on the lines nfl training camp less than a month game what do we want to see and we're also going to be talking WWE's top 50 tag team list that they released on Peacock over the last month or so. I have some qualms. I have some thoughts. Um, so let, we're going to dig into that as well. But I teased it on social media. If you're not following us on social media, by the way, please do that. Uh, I'm Always Right Sports Podcast on Facebook, uh, Twitter, I, I'm Always Right PC. Um, Instagram, same thing. I'm always right PC. Uh, and obviously follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. We are there. And if we're not there, please let us know by going to I'm always right PC.com and filling out the contact page and letting us know that we're not on your favorite streaming sites. But I digress. Enough advertising. But I do have a major, major announcement. And I am so, so excited. Um, this has been in the works now for, for a couple weeks, you know, and, and me and Mike have really tried to keep it under wraps and I, and I am honestly super duper excited to share this all with you, uh, starting officially, um, now it's, it's live right now. We are officially an affiliate with a company called Swift Lifestyles. They are, are one of our sponsors. We are a sponsor for them. It's a great partnership. Swift Lifestyles is a um, it's an energy drink uh, supplement type of company. They've got uh, powder, you know, energy drink powder. They've got vitamins, uh, you know, shakers, all that good stuff. And using our official code, always right, you can get 15% off. That's right, one five, 15% off by using the code. Just go to Swift lifestyles.com go ahead add what you want uh we have some stuff on order right now um that we'll be sharing across our social media once it finally gets in um with the holiday weekend and everything and happy fourth of july to all of you um we were una- we haven't we don't haven't gotten the product just yet but i've tried it before it's a fantastic product um you know they've got three flavors right now but honestly uh guys we could not be more excited so once again if you want to support the show there's two ways to do it, okay? First thing, go to belowthecollar.com forward slash I'm Always Right PC, all one word, to get the official I'm Always Right Sports Podcast logo t-shirt. We really appreciate that. We're hoping to have more merchandise up in the somewhat near future, uh, but we'd really like to see those those shirts first get sold. Um, and then the other one is going here, Swift. S-W-I-F-T, just like DeAndre Swift, lifestyles.com. Use the promo code always right. One all one word, always right, uh, to get 15% off all their products. If you are an energy drink drinker, um, you know, I think these are this is a great product. It's clean. They don't like to add a whole bunch of chalky elements to it uh, to help it last longer. It helps you react, focus, and energize. Whether whatever whatever it is, whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're doing some gaming, whether you're working from home, whether you know, whatever it is, these are the kind of products that I like to endorse. Uh, they've also got some vitamins as well that you can take. Um, and they've got a whole bunch of different cool shakers as well as some other cool merchandise. So please, please, please go ahead, give them a follow and use our promo code always right for 15% off 
of all Swift Lifestyle products. It is a great way to support the show. And tag us. If you do order, let us know. Let us know. We have we have a big giveaway coming up here pretty soon as we near a big milestone here on the show. And uh, I would love to get all you guys involved. Uh, the best way to do that, though, is to support the brand, share the brand, buy the merch, um, and, and buy from Swift Lifestyles Youth as a promo code always right. I'll have the link tagged in uh, in the show description, whether you're listening to this on SoundCloud or anything else like that. Um, and obviously, we'll be sharing it on social media when you guys hear this Monday morning at 7 a.m., like always, like clockwork. Um, but super excited to have them on board. It's a big moment for the show, big step for the show, and we hope to continue to grow. Um, so if there's anybody listening out there, you have a product, you have a company that you would like to uh, become affiliated with our great show here, please let me know. Uh, let us know. Contact us, IARbroadcastmedia at gmail.com, and we will uh, hopefully have a conversation, and we'd love to work with each and every one of you, especially around the great state of Michigan. All right, enough talk, enough jibber-jabber. Five minutes in, I haven't talked about sports yet. Enough of it. All right, let's jump right in, though. NBA Finals. Milwaukee Bucks finally get it done. Six games, four to two. Chris Middleton carrying the load for an injured Giannis, um, getting the dub. We already knew the Suns were in. Um, you know, it's a it's a matchup that no one really saw coming. It's a matchup that I don't think it, on paper is the sexiest thing in the world. However, I do think this is an important step for the NBA. Now, obviously, LeBron being hurt or, or banged up, AD being out, Kawhi being hurt. Um, you know Jamal Murray from Denver not you know not being there for for them as well that that hurt uh, hurt Denver's chances this year. But I digress. The the important thing here is, is that we have two teams that nobody really could have predicted. I mean maybe the Bucks out of the East because the East is so volatile. But um, especially out of the West with the Suns, th- these are two teams that I don't think a ton of people have been paying attention to. I don't think these are two teams up until these playoffs. Um, really had any thought that they were probably going to win a championship. Uh, we, we talked earlier in the year about the Bucks really going all in with the Drew Holiday trade, and I, I guess you can say it's paid off, question mark, um, with the fact that, you know, he hasn't played particularly well, but Chris Middleton's been dynamic. He's been a premier scorer for them, which is, which is huge. Um, you know, Giannis is out. Chris Paul is a little bit banged up. We're going to see if they're going to make it uh, in the finals, but... You know, these smaller market teams, though, has really got me thinking, you know, Milwaukee, not a huge market, Uh, Phoenix, not a huge market for the NBA. So to have two of these teams represent the NBA on the biggest stage that doesn't include a team with LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Luka Doncic even, and not to say that, you know, Giannis is not a huge star, not to say that Devin Booker is not becoming one and Chris Paul has got his own, you know, myriad of, of talk as well. But if we're being honest with ourselves, right, Giannis has really taken a hit because of their second-round exit last year. Um, You know, he he wasn't an MVP or anything like that. He hasn't been overly effective in these playoffs, quite frankly. Um, You know, and so the the sex appeal of this matchup is is high in some people's minds because we, we get something new, it's fresh, it's different. But in other people's minds, you know, you're not seeing these premier stars. We didn't get to see the Lakers versus Clippers again, and we may never get to see that matchup as it was intended, depending on free agency this year. Um, and the same thing goes with the East, right? We didn't see uh, the 76ers with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers. We didn't see them get there, right? So, I mean, 
it's one of those things where the Bucks don't win pretty by any stretch of the imagination. We didn't see the Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden Nets get to the finals. We didn't see a Durant versus LeBron finals, which a lot of people were hoping to see. Lots of different variables here that we're not seeing, but I think it's awesome for the NBA that we're able to see two smaller market teams. And if you're a Detroit Piston fan, this has got to give you a little bit of hope. Obviously, you need star power. Devin Booker's stock as from a from a star potential is, is going to rise a gajillion folds after this, no matter what happens, because he's really kind of put the team on the back his back offensively. But if you're a Pistons fan, th- this should be encouraging that you can win a championship and get to the NBA Finals while having some sort of star power and having a true best player. And, and obviously, probably Kate Cunningham will be that if, if he is the pick. And we talked about that a lot last week. So go back and listen to that conversation. But at this point in time, you really have to think, okay, there is a way. There is a way to build a roster where you don't have LeBron James or Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. You don't have one of the big three, four, five guys in the league and and do it, right? You're always looking for talent, but nobody is actively, anybody who's a true big star is not coming to sign up to play in Detroit. It's just not a thing. It's just not possible. So because of that, you have to build through the draft and you have to accumulate these stars the best way you can possible and to allow yourself to see two teams that had to do it organically. Chris Paul was a trade that was basically a salary dump for multiple teams, you know, whether it was from Houston to OKC, OKC now and here to Phoenix. Um, and Giannis was drafted here and you have a bunch of, you know, individual pieces that they've brought in because of Giannis there. But at the end of the day, these are homegrown teams in a lot of respects. Devin Booker drafted by Phoenix. So, if you're a Pistons fan, this should give you a lot of hope that you can be right in the thick of it in very short order if you get this draft this draft right. And if you continue to build the roster in a way that is is maybe not the sexiest, like I said, but can get the job done. You know, the going to work Pistons were not a tremendous fun watching team. They, they didn't have a high offensive efficiency rating. Uh, they played great defense. They were boring. They were slow. And they, sh- and they shut teams down. Now, as a Detroit fan, when you win... Uh, a finals game, you know, 85 to 79 against the Lakers, you're thrilled. But for the rest of the NBA, you're bored out of your mind. Um, but at the end of the day, a win's a win. So if you're if you're a Pistons fan, you have to be extremely encouraged. And I think this is good for the NBA as a whole because we don't have LeBron James and Kevin Durant in these finals. And I know it sounds weird to say that, but from a from a transparency of and from a, a level of competitiveness around the league, this shows that the league is competitive. And it kind of dis, disproves the narrative a little bit, not a ton because of the injuries I mentioned previously, but it does allow, if you're a team, you know, like a Denver or, um, you know, even, even like this Milwaukee team or some of the other teams that, you know, have been kind of close, it shows that you're able to get there and have success, even if you're not in a major market where you're not able to maybe attract the, the free agents that you would be able to if you were in a New York or an L.A. or a Miami, um, you know, or a Chicago, some of these some of these bigger market teams that are able to land free agents, no matter whether or not the team is garbage or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, so, so that's big. So that's huge. Let's get to the matchup, though. You know, Bucks, Suns. You know, I'm personally leaning towards the Suns. I think Devin Booker's been super high. I think he's been the best player in these playoffs. Um, we don't know the status of Giannis. There were some reports out there that Giannis probably could have tried to play Game Seven. I don't know if that's accurate. Uh, based on the injury, uh, I'm sure he's going to try to give it a go. But at some point, you got to worry about okay, longevity versus you know the immediate future. Um, 
But I, I am going to lean Suns here, right? I, I had a lot of confidence that the Bucks would be able to stop Brooklyn, and then they were able to, thankfully. But I, I just don't have enough. I don't have enough faith in the offensive efficiency um, of the Bucks when, it, especially with Giannis out, right? Giannis can't shoot particularly well. Relying on Chris Middleton to be your primary point getter is a, is a risky proposition. You know what I mean? Drew Holiday has not shot the ball well. Uh, PJ Tucker is not there for offense. Uh, Brooke Lopez is not really there for offense. So you have a lot of guys there that are good defensively, but I just don't know if they can put up enough points. The way Devin Booker's playing, um, DeAndre Ayton's really coming into his own, and Chris Paul being so cerebral at the point is really putting them over the top. It's really, I think, going to come down to that. It's going to come down to, you know, what guy that we're maybe not talking about comes through, right? It's not the first option. It's not the second option. It's the third. It's the fourth options that really win or lose you a championship. And coaching, you know. Um, those are the two things really that you really have to look at and say, okay, you know, is Boldenhoser going to be able to get him over the top, right? Uh, it, it, I don't know. His job is still somehow in jeopardy, which which is crazy. So I am going to go Suns here. I, I think it would be a great story for Chris Paul to go to a team like the Suns where everybody goes, oh, he went to the Suns. Well, that's the end of Chris Paul. And now they're in the NBA Finals. They win a championship. It really cements Chris Paul as, as you know as a Hall of Famer if he was already there in your mind sure but this sure can help um, it elevates Devin Booker to another level of superstardom that he had not been before it elevates the Phoenix Suns franchise as a whole it allows people to want to go now and say listen they have something built there I want to go play there which is huge once again another team to kind of be put in that mix in, in a very, very, very crowded West, um, you know, I do think the Bucks have a better chance of getting back to the finals just because of how volatile the East is, where this may be Phoenix's only shot. We talked about a little bit last week how Phoenix really needed to come out guns ablazing, and I think they will do that. Uh, with home court and everything else, this is this is their best this is their best chance to do it. I think it's Chris Paul's best opportunity. A beat up Giannis, even if he does play, he's not gonna be at hundred percent and he can't shoot. So the explosiveness is gonna be gone. Um I've got the Suns in seven. I think it's going to go a full seven. I think the NBA is going to milk this bad boy for as much as they can. Um, I think it's going to be a great series. I think it's going to be a lot of fun because there's no real rooting interest for a lot of people, right? A lot of people want to see Chris Paul get it. A lot of people want to see Giannis get it. Um, you know, what is that going to look like? You know, what's the officiating going to look like? There's a lot of lack of favoritism there that you can call on because, once again, you don't have LeBron James in these finals. You don't have Kevin Durant. You don't have Steph Curry who are going to get the benefit of the doubt more often than not. So very interested to see how that breaks down. Very exciting. Um, I'm sure Michael has some thoughts on as the finals are going on uh, next week when he gets back. All right, let's shift focus here a little bit. Let's talk Tigers. Let's talk Tigers here for a second. You know, as of this recording, they come off a big victory. They're uh, over the Chicago White Sox. Um you know, which which is which is nice. Always get a divisional opponent. We checked in on them a couple weeks ago, a month, month and a half, and, and I really kind of took them to task because this team looked lost. It looked like garbage. Um, it, it didn't look like any improvements were being made, which is unfortunate. But but to their credit, and I, and I and I can say that I'm wrong, and I can say that you know I, I've been much more pleased. I've been more impressed with what they're doing uh, over the last month, two months. All right. Now the record still isn't great by any stretch of the imagination. They're thirty-seven and forty-six. Okay, it's not great. They're, I think they're third in the central right now. They're not really close, but they are flirting, flirting with five hundred a little bit. Right? They're getting there. They're six and four in their last ten. I want to kind of go down some MLB rankings with you guys where the Tigers are at right now because I do think that is 
Um, I think it's a good barometer, right, to, to kind of see where they're at as compared to the rest of the league. I think sometimes we get so focused on looking at our team, and you're like, oh, this guy's really good, this guy's killing it, this guy's killing it. We're really killing it in this area. And you go, eh, not so much. Or maybe they are, and you don't even realize it. Um, these aren't pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but I think they're better. And I think that's an important uh, thing to note. Um, but in batting average, they're 17th uh, in, the, in the league. They're 24th in runs, which is still rough. Uh, they're 19th in hits. They're 21st in home runs. They have 89 on the year. Their OBP is 306, which is 21st in the league, while the White Sox are second. Um, slugging percentage, they're 22nd in the league. Their ERA is 23rd. Their whip is 22nd. Uh, their walks are 18th. Their strikeouts are 26th. Look at this, guys. The White Sox, clearly the, the favorites in the division right now, they're 49 and 33. The White Sox um, strikeouts, they're fourth in the league. They eight, have 810 their pitching staff. The Tigers have 665 strikeouts. That is insane. Look at that differential. Um, and then runs against, they're 24th. The Tigers are. So, it's not pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but we are seeing we are seeing improvement, right? I, I can say that Casey Mize and, and Scooble and some of these guys have really started to kind of come on here um, and, and really start to start to you know make a name a little bit, right? And really start to you know kind of find their footing. I guess is the best way of putting that. Um, you know, they 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 are. It's coming together slowly but surely, right? And and that's and I think that's huge because right now, you know, that's all you can ask for, right? When you scroll through the through the schedule, you're seeing a lot more W's than you are losses, right? It's becoming a little bit more stable. This is really a time where if they can kind of fight their way to 500, I think that would be a huge, huge, huge feather in the cap for Alavila keeping his job. Um, and A.J. Hinch really managing it well. I mean, they're going on the road against the Rangers, and then they've got, like, a gajillion games against the Twins. So, I mean, the Twins, I think they can beat and, and kind of split with. They've got a ton with the Rangers. Then they got the Royals. They can beat the Royals. Um, you know, so th- there are so there's a stretch of games here where I think they can start to catch up and make up some ground. The biggest thing, once again, and we've talked about it, um, th- there's really um, – there's really no offense, you know. Eric Haas has been on fire as of late, obviously. Um, the, the, he's been, you know, he had inside the park home run on Saturday, which was cool to see. But the reality is there's just not enough offense, and that's and that's really it. You know, uh, Scoop, he's been fine, or Shoop, however you want to say it. Um, it it's just there's not enough, and, and they need some of these guys. They need the Torkelsons. They need the Riley Greens to, to make their debuts sooner rather than later because – that's what you're kind of you're banking on. I, I think you found some arms. Casey Mize, like I said, Scooble finding their way um, into it. Matt Manning, I believe, is that is that who's the other one who's been who's debuted. Um, but either way, they, they have a lot of guys that are you know on the mound have debuted and are looking are looking pretty okay, looking looking not too bad. But you know, from an offensive efficiency standpoint, I just kind of run, ran it down. It's not, it's not good, you know, and because of that, you're, you're going to lose baseball games at the end of the day. You, you have to be able to put runs on the board consistently. And right now they're not doing that. So that's, I think is their number one kind of cause for concern, but you know, the amount of shutouts losses that they've had is a bit disgusting when you really look it down. Um, so there's a lot of stuff I think that can be cleaned up, but I will I give a lot of, I will give a high, High praise to AJ Hinch for kind of riding the ship and kind of getting them rolling once again. Um, 
you know, it, I think honestly, next year it's kind of one of those things where you just got to see all these guys play, and you kind of, kind of be, kind of be pushing for one of those last playoff spots because if not, it's I think maybe it's time to kind of take the front office and throw them out the window because clearly, from a player development standpoint, it's not happening. It's not happening fast enough. They've been bad for too long. Um, teams have tore it down and rebuilt in faster time than than we're doing it right now. So. Something to keep an eye on. If you're a Tigers fan, you have to be encouraged a little bit by what you're seeing. Um, but your offense cannot be solely relied upon just the hot hand of the day. And so that's and that's really the reality of it. You need more consistency at the plate. You need to, you know, you really need to start putting, you know, you need to stop having these four nothing losses. You need to really start to kind of follow up with what your pitching staff is doing, which is slowly but surely getting more consistent with some of these young guys. So exciting to see for sure, but got to keep an eye on it. And like I said, definitely need more offense. All right, let's shift focus here um, to, let, yeah, let's go to, let's go to training camp here. We'll end on some wrestling talk for the end of the day here. I know how much you guys like that, but let, let's shift to training camp talk. I don't want to get too deep in the woods here. We're about a month out from NFL training camp for the Lions. Um, they just released their open date, so I'm hoping to go to one or two of those. So if you guys do see me, feel free to give me a shout-out and let me know. Maybe we can talk a little bit about the status of the team. But, um, you know, what do you guys want to see? What do we want to see coming into training camp, right? Is is it all about the rookies? Is it all about the young kids that, that we have here? Do we want to see what Jared Goff looks like? What? What is it? And I want you guys to reach out on social media and let me know what is it that you want to see from your Detroit Lions in training camp. It's going to be tough, right? Some days are going to be in shorts. Other days are going to be in pads. But overall, what do you want to see out of this team going into preseason action? Getting ready for San Francisco week one. Um, are there anybody, is there anybody under the radar? I, it's weird to say this whole roster seems to be under the radar, but is there a guy or two or maybe a position group that, that you think is maybe being undervalued or not being paid attention to enough? Um, as we all know, as Detroit Lions fans, the, the national media covers the Lions as much as a paper bag. So, you know, that's why we're here and that's why we do what we do. But at the same time, you know, what, what do we want to see? What do we want to see? Let me know. I, at um at I'm always right PC or at Robin Dyka. Let me know. Tweet at me. Uh, reach out to me. However you want to. Let me know what you want to see from this Detroit Lions team. But the number one thing I want to look at, I guess, is twofold. Number one, um, I want to see who the ones are right now. Who they kind of have projected, um, especially at the wide receiver. Who's taking the bulk of the carries for the running back? Is it Swift? Is it a full 50-50 swap? And obviously Jared Goff, right? And I think that's the big thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Jared Goff to me, I, I don't think he's necessarily the answer. I, I think we could have done worse at quarterback. Um, I definitely think it's better than having a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick be our starting quarterback or something like that. A guy who is a true filler. Um, but at the same time, I don't necessarily know he's the, he's the long-term answer, but I'm willing to give him an opportunity to do so. I'm also really looking forward to seeing the difference in coaching styles, right? We, you know, you go to the, you went to training camp for the last couple of years here uh, during the Matt Patricia era, and you got guys running laps and stuff because they're jumping off sides and we're not executing correctly, which I thought was hilarious that, uh, you know, he's making professional athletes take a lap, um, which I think was kind of funny. Um, I, I'm wanting to see what the difference is, if there's a different vibe, if you can feel it. Everybody I know right now has a little bit of rose-colored glasses about this 
about this coaching staff, myself included. I'm very, very excited about the staff that Dan Campbell has put together. I wasn't super high on the Dan Campbell hire when it happened, but they've kind of sold me on it, and I'm in. I'm, I'm fully invested at this point. But I'm very interested to see what it looks like, you know, if we're going to get any sort of indication of what they like to do, what golf looks like, what the defense looks like. How, I mean, are we going to see some improvement from our secondary? This is a make-or-break year for Amani Awarie. Okuda going into year two, huge, huge step in his development. Um, is Dunbar starting? Um, you know, what's a, you know, what do these rookies look like? Afetuma Alfanwu, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, some of the sexier positions. Panay Sewell is going to look like Panay Sewell. So um, some interesting some interesting players to watch for sure, the receiver group. Um, the guy that I'm, I think, most looking forward to watching is Brashad Perriman. I think that there is a lot of potential for this guy. Um I don't necessarily know if he's going to be quote unquote a number one, but I do think that you know you you can't teach speed and you can't teach some of the athleticism that he has, and I think if there's going to be a guy to really kind of find his way on this team and have a real opportunity to kind of break out and show out what he could do that made him a first round pick by Baltimore quite a few years ago, I think this is the way to do it, and so I'm very 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 excited to look and see what Brashad Perriman is going to bring to the team. Uh, but let me know once again, what, what do you guys think? Who, who's who's somebody that you're going to be paying attention to? Uh, is it DeAndre Swift? Is it Jared Goff? Is it Dan Campbell? Um, you know, what what is it? You know, and, uh, you know, are you going to be at training camp? And if so, what day? Let's shift now. Um, last topics of the day. Let's shock some wrestling here. Um, we're not going to talk Great American Bash or any of the other stuff that AEW is doing right now. It's I'm not going to get into covering weekly shows. I do want to talk about a couple things, though. First off, the WWE releases and what does it mean? You know, we've seen in the last month or so a lot of bigger names. Breezango, they're gone. Um, Alistair Black, he's gone. Braun Strowman, he's gone. We, we got a lot of big names, some minor names as well, uh, you know, the Lanas of the world and, and what have you. But, you know... A lot of releases, and they, you know, there's been some speculation that WWE is getting themselves ready and kind of cleaning up their books in order to sell the company. Now, I, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that that is what is happening. I, I do think that they have a lot of talent and a lot of talent that's quote unquote not really being used all that much. Now, the Alistair Black one is a bit striking to me because they just took all this time. Um, to do it, to, to kind of build into this new character. But, you know, outside of that, Strowman, I mean, he kind of been spinning as well. I get he was main eventing a pay-per-view, but it's backlash. Nobody cares. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that they that they released, it's like, okay, it's it, it's not necessarily quote-unquote shocking um, that some of these people got let go just based on the fact that what were they doing, you know? And I think it, I think at times it's just better to maybe take some of these NXT people and move them up and say, hey, we're going to give these new people opportunities rather than continuously regurgitating the the same 15, 18 matches, which is what Money in the Bank is going to be for the most part. Um, but, you know, I don't think WWE is, is preparing themselves to get sold. I can't imagine Vince McMahon ever answering to anybody besides himself. I mean, he's built this company basically from a regional promotion into the billion dollar industry that it is today. Um, so I don't, I don't foresee them being sold. I, I look at this strictly as a cost cutting measure. I look at it as a, 
you know, as they get ready to kind of go back on the road. We've already seen Selena Vega get brought back on SmackDown this last week. Samoa Joe got brought back already. I wouldn't be shocked to see some of these other guys get brought back maybe in a in a limited capacity. But it's really, I think it's more than anything else. I think it's just to shake it up. I think it's just to shake it up. I think it is to, to you know, let people know, like, listen, you know, we're hearing you. I'm, I'm very, I have a lot of high expectations for SummerSlam. They brought Edge back now. There's some things that are changing on programming wise. They're giving some, some guys that maybe have not had the spotlight shown on them. The Riddles, the Morrison, the Ricochets of the world going into Money in the Bank, which is huge. But I wouldn't read too much into these releases as I would, um, you know, like it, it, it we'll, we would definitely hear those conversations. The fact that they're talking to New Japan and the fact that they're doing some of these other things um, kind of leads me to speculate that I don't think they're going to get sold. I don't think that they're trying to sell. I think there's too much money to be made. And once again, unless Vince is a lot more is like sick or something and he just wants to get out of the game, I don't anticipate it happening. So don't worry there if you are worried about that. Um, I think it'd be a terrible, terrible, terrible day in the wrestling industry if WWE got sold um, and new ownership was running the company. I think that would be a very, 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 very scary thing to think about. Um, you think the programming now is bad. Imagine a whole, imagine a whole bunch of TV executives um, or a whole different company that doesn't know the wrestling business trying to run a rest, the biggest wrestling company in the world. It's a scary thought, ladies and gentlemen. So as much as we want to uh, to hate on Vince McMahon and some of the booking, and I am included, right? We all like to play armchair quarterback and really like to, to say, I don't understand why they're doing this, this, and this. But at the end of the day, every time we say that, they always do something to bring you right back in. So I, I'm very, 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 very much rather have Vince McMahon calling the shots than I would, or Triple H even, um, over somebody that doesn't know the industry. So just something to think about for sure um, as you kind of go online and, you know, voice your complaints, I guess. All right, last thing I want to talk about, and this is, I say this to the end because I'm going to get out of my soapbox a little bit here. So if you guys haven't been paying attention, WWE has been doing this top 50 lists over the last little bit. They did one for the uh, for the women superstars, um, and they just did one for the for the tag teams. Now the tag team one was interesting. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good piece. I thought it was funny that Breeze Island got released, and then they're still on the still doing the whole thing. But I did have I did have some issues, and we're going to get to the top five here in a second. But me and Mike talked about this off air last week I believe and and I was talking about how I kind of had some issues with some of the of the tag teams that got put into this list for for a myriad of reasons um when I think top 50 tag teams I think of teams that either dominated um or were you know or teams that like when you think about a specific wrestler or something like that you immediately go to a tag team like I will never think of Animal and Hawk as singles wrestlers right I will never think of um you know, Scotty Tuhati and Grandmaster Sexay, Brian Christopher as as individual guys, right? Um, I'll never think of, you know, like Paul London and Brian Kendrick. Individually, they've actually had pretty successful careers. But in the WWE, you think of them as a tag team. Um, just to go down the list really quickly, uh, Bushwhackers at 50. So 50 to, I'll go to five and then I'll kind of break it down here. Um, Bushwhackers, Too Cool, Quebecers, Smoking Guns, Strike Force, The Head Shrinkers, Kane and Xbox, Batista and Ric Flair, Eminem, Nasty Boys, Rated RKO, Paul London, Brian Kendrick, DIY, 
World's Greatest Tag Team, Money Inc., uh, Jericho, The Natural Disasters, Street Profits, uh, The Briscoe Brothers, Jack and Gerald, not from Ring of Honor, the original Briscoe Brothers, uh, The Bludgeon Brothers, British Bulldog and Owen Hart, John Morrison and The Miz, The Bar, Team Hell No, Nikolai Volkov and The Iron Sheik, Los Guerreros, APA, Blackjacks, The Shield, DX, uh, The Undisputed Era, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas, uh, Torch Naka, Mr. Fuji, The Steiner Brothers, Rock and Sock Connection, Wild Samoans, Rockers, The Mega Powers, The Valiant Brothers, Demolition, uh, and then the top 10, the British Bulldogs, the Brothers of Destruction, uh, the New Age Outlaws, the Usos, and Legion of Doom. Um, and then the top five, the Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian, the Hart Foundation, the Hardys, and the New Day. Um, but I, I have some issues with this list. Certain teams on this list, while they may have been a tag team, they even may be multiple-time tag team champions. I don't, and once I do want to clarify too, this list is only for WWE tag team. So if they were never a tag team in WWE, um, they don't, they're not on this list. So that's just so like the Harlem Heats, uh, the Hollywood Blondes, um, RVD and Sabu, um, you know, just to name a few tag teams, right? Like Sting and Lex Luger, I guess, if you want to throw them out there or something like that. Like those, those teams aren't on here. The Outsiders, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, aren't on this list because they were never a tag team in WWE. Um, but, you know, some of these teams on here, Kane and X-Pac, Batista and Ric Flair are the two that kind of really stick out to me um, as ones where I go, were they really necessarily one of the greatest tag teams of all time? Now, they were a good tag team for the for the very limited time that they were together. Um, they're, and they were even multiple-time tag team champions. But it, I don't really think that they were a tag team as much as they were just a you know, a vehicle to get somebody else over, right? Um, Kane to bring him a good guy and X-Pac to elevate him a little bit. Batista and Flair was strictly because they were an evolution. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think of them as great tag teams, especially when their tag title runs were 15, 20 days, a month, two months. You know, I just, some of these teams, right, I just don't understand how they can be ahead of other teams, Um that were like are synonymous with tag team wrestling, I guess is the best way of putting it. Another issue I have is DIY being on here. Um, nothing against Gargano and Champa, but they weren't a tag team for all that long. They had one reign as tag team champions. They didn't even have any successful title defenses on takeovers. They lost the title immediately. Um, and and then they broke up. Now their feud was fantastic, and it, and it, and it has been. And I'm I'm actually really excited about the tag match with Champa and Thatcher versus uh, MSK coming up this week. But from a WWE historical standpoint, I do not understand how you can say that they are one of the best tag teams ever in the company's history. I just think that once again. Some of these, like the Nasty Boys, were a tag team forever. There's no way that DIY is a better tag team than the Nasty Boys or Eminem or some of these. I just their their logic. I'd love to see what the logic is. Like the Street Profits coming in at number 33. I could not disagree more. They once again, the state of tag team wrestling right now is very difficult, especially in WWE. There's not a lot of great teams. Um, The ones that are really great stick out, and the Street Profits are a great tag team. But they, they have two runs as tag team champions. They faced the War Raiders 45 times. And not that that's their fault, but when you look at historically great tag teams stacking up day in and day out, I, I just don't see how you put them over the world's greatest tag team in Sheldon Benjamin and Charlie Haas. I don't see how you put them over the Quebecers. Now, the Quebecers weren't fun to watch, but they carried the tag team division for months. Um, you know, So the, the, there are teams where you just go, I just... 
I just don't get it. I don't understand how the Godwins aren't on this tag on this list. They were hugely over, hugely popular. So, um, you know, the other ones that I kind of have an issue with, um, let's see here. Uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, ugh, that's rough. Um, I don't think Jack and Gerald Briscoe should have been as high as they were on this list because it's WWE tag teams. They never held WWE or WWF or WWF tag team championships. They were the NWA champions. Um, so I don't think they should have been as high as some of these other teams. I thought the British Bulldog and Owen Hart should have been a much higher. Um, I thought the world's greatest tag team should have been much higher. Um, you know, I think we confuse good angles and good story with a good tag team. And I think that's kind of what happened here. I am pleasantly surprised to see Shawn Michaels and Triple H, D-Generation X, only be number 21 on this list. I thought that'd be much higher because of the love that, for whatever reason, WWE has with DX still to this day. Um, I don't think they should be on the list at all, quite frankly, um, because they they weren't really a tag team for very long. They had one run as champions, and it was not great. Uh, the next one I have the uh, a huge issue with is the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. They were never a tag team. Now, not saying they didn't have tag team matches, but they weren't a tag team. They were, uh, you know, they were a, I, I guess not a fact, a partnership for sure. But they never challenged for tag team championships. Their never priority was being a tag team. They were just best friends that they had each other's back. I mean, for goodness sakes, Randy Savage was world heavyweight champion at this point in time. They weren't a tag team. They were an association. They were a group for sure. They were they were partners. They were friends. They were, you know, whatever, allies. They were not a true tag team. So to have them over teams like, um, you know, even like the Shield or, or, like I said, the Bulldog and Owen Hart and stuff like that, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Even the rated RKO, who's on this list at number 40, they were at least a tag team. They were the tag team champions. Um, they fought against other tag teams, right? They fought against it just I and even them being at 40, that is the you know, 50 through 40 should have been teams where it's like they were they were a tag team. They may have held the belts once or twice, um, but they were a collection of stars that just got put together. Um, you know, which is the reality of it. Um the last thing I kind of want to talk about on this is the is the top five. Now, or even the top 10, I think, is good. I, the fact that Demolition is not in the top 10, I think, is is tough. I mean, one of the longest-reigning tag team champions of all time. They really controlled the late 80s to early 90 time uh, as ta- as the tag team to beat. So it's, it's, it's tough for sure. Um, but I, I understand with the top 10 being the British Bulldogs, Brothers of Destruction, Kane and Undertaker, I think are rightfully up there. Multiple-time tag team champions, multiple big-time feuds. Um, and they at one point were strictly tag team. Like the Undertaker and Kane during the invasion were a tag team. They were the tag team champions of WCW and WWE. That is what they were. They weren't challenging for singles titles. They were a tag team. So I think it's an important distinction. Um, uh, the New Age Outlaws, great tag team. Billy Gunn, one of the greatest uh, tag team wrestlers of all time. The Usos, Legion of Doom, Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian, Hart Foundation, the Hardy Boys, and the New Day. Um, I'm surprised the New Day is number one. I'll come right out and say it. And this is not me hating. Um, this is not me, um, you know, saying that they that they shouldn't be in the top there. I thought the Usos and the New Day are the only two current tag teams that could be in the top ten, um, just based off of their feud alone. However, I I find it hard to say that the New Day's accomplishments, knowing that some of their tag title reigns have not been 
all that impressive, if I'm being honest. Um, and some of their wins have, I think, felt like kind of like we don't have um, – we don't have an option. We don't have anybody to give these titles to. So because of that, um, we have to we have to give it to the New Day because they're an over tag team, um, and that that's not you know the mark of a of a good tag team in my opinion, right? So like the, those some of those reigns are not um, are not all that impressive, and you know they had the one really long reign, which I think is the one that you can stay on of, and you can talk about their feud. Um, with, uh, uh, with the Usos, and I think that's a great feud. Outside of that, though, I mean, some of these reigns, I'm just looking through here, right? Like, uh, you know, they held the titles for 49 days. Okay, not terrible, but you lose to the prime time players. Rough. Okay, the second reign, their biggest reign, 483 days. That's that's tremendous. Um, there's nothing you can say to to kind of disprove that, right? Um, they had another reign. It looks like here. I'm just looking through here. All of the stuff. I mean, 70 days, 26 days. It just kind of felt like they were just kind of given the titles because they were the best team. They, they're the most over team, I guess, in a very, very lackluster tag team division. Um, you know, another reign, 28 days, 26 days, um, 56 days, um, you know, some 60 days. Okay. hundred and 111. That's not bad. Okay. 90, right? Like, you know, three days for whatever reason, which I, you know, I don't really get. Um, so some of these, some of these lists are just like, you know, they, they held the title for a month, two months and you're just like, okay, that was fine. You know, the doing the trading back and forth thing, but some of these, some of these, um, you know, I just for whatever reason, I just don't think that they, they are the greatest tag team. Do I think they're top ten? Yes, them and the Usos both are probably the two tag teams um, in the last probably since the Dudleys, Hardys, and um, Edge and Christian to kind of break into that mold. The I just don't. I just think that number one is a bit is a bit high. I personally probably would have put the Dudleys at number one, not because they enjoyed their work the most, but when you look at the history and I know WWE likes to kind of ignore history a little bit, but I, I think that if you're a wrestling fan and you pay attention to anything else outside of WWE, I mean, you look at it, they're the ECW tag team champions. They were WCW tag team champions. They were WWE tag team champions. And they were also, they held the raw and SmackDown versions of those tag titles as well. They were the NWA Tag Team Champions, IWGP Tag Team Champions. I mean, there is nobody else outside of the Legion of Doom that can go and say they went to every promotion possible and they won championships. They're the only ones to ever do it. So I think that in itself is an accomplishment. I think that Edge and Christian, I think, could make the argument as well as one of the greatest because the Hardys being ranked two even is a little bit tough for me, not because they weren't great, but... Without Edge and Christian, the Hardys aren't what the Hardys would be. They didn't. If the, if Edge and Christian didn't exist, they would not have had their antithesis to make the Hardys so strong over babyfaces. They needed them in order for you know they needed them for the Hardys. I think that Edge and Christian as heels get to a similar point, not as high as these three teams got, but and they all needed each other. But I don't think Edge and Christian. I think Edge and Christian at some point would have gotten there because. Edge and Christian individually as singles guys are two of the greatest. Um, and I think that, you know, Edge being, you know, and you can make the argument probably top 10 of all time at this point. You know, I just think that they, they could have been higher. The Hart Foundation being top five, I don't know why, for whatever reason, WWE, like, they they 
they crap on Bret Hart and his legacy at times, and other times they they put him over to the emphasis. I'm happy that the Hart Foundation's up there. I think they're one of the greatest of all time too. But um, you know, once again, their longevity. They were together for a few years. They had two tag title reigns. Is it worth it to be over a team um, like the Dudleys or Edge and Christian? I don't know. You know, the, it's a different time, and I know Edge and Christian and those guys didn't have super long title reigns either. But the importance of tag team wrestling at that point was so high. As compared to you know what the new day has done, I just I just think it's kind of a tough pill to swallow. Nothing against them, still like them. I just feel like some of their title reigns. I don't think it would be as impressive the resume if the tag team division as a whole was deeper. And I think that back in the day when the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge and Christian were really on top of their game, you had teams that were strictly on their game and were really at the top, top, top of their of their game. Um, so just something that, you know, sticks in my crowd. But you let me know. Who do you think is the greatest tag team of all time in, in WWE or in general? If you think a team like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, who should have been on this list because they were a tag team in the WWE, but they both work for AEW. So put those two and two things together. Um, you know, do you think they're the greatest tag team? Is Harlem Heat the greatest tag team for you? Um, you know, give me give me a team. Do you have a team from the AWA or something like that? You know, Nick Bockwinkle were tag team champions for a you know gajillion times in the AWA. Let me know who you think the greatest tag team in WWE is, um, or in, in in history in your opinion, or maybe just your favorite tag team of all time. Just let me know what you think. Um, but that's gonna be it for this week's show. Enough of me rambling. Next week, Mike will be back, and we'll have our usual uh, Woody banter. Uh, once again, I do want to say if you missed it or you skipped the opening part of the show, which is okay if you did, you like to skip around these episodes, um, I would like to once again announce that Swift Lifestyles and the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast have entered into a partnership. Could not be more excited to be a part of their family and very excited to welcome them to ours. So Swift Lifestyle, SwiftLifestyles.com, go ahead, use our promo code always right, all one word, always right. Um, for 15% off your entire purchase, 15% off. There's a lot of other companies that we could have signed with. There's a lot of other places where we maybe would have gotten 10, 5% off. We tried to get you guys a product, um, that we really enjoy that is also, um, get you the most bang for your buck. And, and we wanted to get our listeners and our viewers, um, you know, the most benefit by using our promo code. Yes, does it help the show? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm going to be fully transparent about it. It's one of the best ways to help support and grow this podcast. But we also wanted to give something back to you guys. And the best way to do that, I think, is by giving you free money. So basically, go ahead, go to Swift Lifestyle, go ahead and pick up a tub uh, of, you know, of their bubblegum flavored uh, energy drink. Go ahead and get their blue sour, which we have coming in the mail right now. Um, or even their uh, their hydration formula, flavored like cotton candy. I mean, they got some great flavors coming on here right now. Um, go ahead, go ahead, sign up for a tub, super affordable, and then get fifteen percent off on your purchase, just like that. Just using the promo code, it doesn't do anything. It, it doesn't, you know, it lets them know that you guys are listening. It lets us know that you care and that you're supporting the show in the best way possible. So, once again, huge news. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, for listening this week's show. Next week, Mike will be back. We'll be talking. We'll do some NBA final check-in. We'll probably have our quarterback rankings as well. We're going to do that game that Mike proposed to me last week, so hopefully we'll be able to do that. Um, and we'll obviously be talking more, probably some more wrestling action as well, as uh, from Fallout for probably Great American Bash. So that's going to be it for this week's show, though, guys. On behalf of the Missing Whale Man and the Missing Merc Zone, I'm the Mouth of Michigan signing off, saying thank you, and we'll see you guys next week.